Hello, Velo News listeners. This is Dan Cavallari, tech editor at Velo News Magazine, and we are here with another Velo News Tech podcast. And today, I am not in my creepy basement, as usual, by myself. Uh, I actually had to go into the office, which means I'm actually wearing pants today. Nice. And uh, I have company with me. Uh, I have my 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 unofficial co-host for the day, Spencer Pallison. Hey, Dan. Happy to be here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. So today... We're going to talk a little bit about saddles, and the reason I want to talk about saddles is because we have a guest here today who actually did a fit with me uh, last year, I guess. That's right. It was last year about this time. All right. So uh, he did a fit with me, and basically, by the end of the fit, he said, you know, you really need to go see a doctor. (laughs) And so I did. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But um, what we're going to talk about today, we have Chris Jacobson here, sorry, uh, from Shimano North America. He is the product line manager for Pro Components and BikeFitting.com. And Chris, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that came out of our fit session was you recommended a saddle for me, and it's the uh, the Pro Stealth. And what's interesting about the Pro Stealth is that it's a, uh, a shortened saddle, a uh, short-nosed saddle. And we were just debating recently, just a few moments ago, about what to actually call these saddles. Absolutely. Yeah, because there's there's some vague vagueness here. And in the past, I've called them snub-nosed saddles. Um, and then Chris probably said we should start with short-nosed saddle. We've seen them. Uh, I saw a lot of them on pro bikes at the Colorado Classic. We've seen them at the tour. Uh, so I wanted to get at the heart of what these short nose saddles are and what they do to improve the ride uh, and, and basically how they came about. How did we get to a point where we're seeing these saddles with a very short nose uh, and, and why why that helps anybody, really? Um, what does that do for the rider? So, Chris, thanks for joining us to talk about this, um, and, and we're going we're gonna to try to get the heart of it. But let's start with the basics. What exactly is a short nose saddle and why was it developed? Well, since we're going to set definitions today, we'll call short-nosed saddles something that is about 260 millimeters or less, which uh, it's one of those, you know it when you see it. Aesthetically, the saddle just looks different when it's mounted up to a bicycle. It looks like the nose has been abbreviated. So generally, saddles will be more like 275 to 300, and that's the widely accepted standard. So when you go and look at one of these saddles, you go, wait, something's wrong. It's off. Uh, we've now had these out in the market for a few years. So we're at the point where they're starting to look a little more normal, a lot like maybe disc brakes on road bikes mm-hmm. are looking. Oh, you're right? opening up the can of worms early. Okay. Oh, I know it. I know it. Let's start somewhere, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So, And so it, it's in line with how bicycle trends work. Think about looking at bikes from 1985, the mountain bikes. What do those look like compared with a mountain bike today? It's totally different, but it didn't happen all at once, right? So short-nosed saddles, why do they exist? What's the point? Uh, A lot of this was driven by elite-level athletes. Obviously, those guys are always looking for every advantage. And ultimately, the way we could position riders using a short-nosed saddle was a bit different. With the ability to measure pressure... Doing those studies, we found that by eliminating the nose, or at least shortening it up, the riders could get into a much deeper hip angle, and that was a more sustainable, stable position for the riders. And when you're talking about elite-level athletes, you are pretty much strictly talking about professional road racers. Is that right, Chris? That's accurate. Okay. Yeah. So not as much the mountain bikers, but but I feel like this also has been somewhat interesting for the triathletes as well, and time trial riders too, right? It, it is, and a lot of this came through from time trial and triathlon initially. 
So if you think about saddles or if you've seen exa examine the triathlon scene over the last 15-year arc, there were some saddles that came out there first that were trying to solve the problems of numbness. And uh, there's perineal pressure. So that's the basically the uh, landscape, I suppose, between here, here it comes, ladies and gentlemen, between the anus and genitalia, right? <laughs> You've got the pedendal nerve that innervates that whole area of the body. And riders couldn't maintain a good position because it was just too uncomfortable. And when you're uncomfortable over a long period of time, you're going to lose the ability to perform. So the initial solutions were actually coming from the most aggressive positions. We'd see abbreviated noses. We'd see uh, like maybe the ISM saddle that had almost two spars coming off of the front and nothing down the midline. That's, that's the origin of some of this. And then other manufacturers got in the game and worked to make saddles like this a bit more stable and more appropriate for something like a road application. Mm -hmm. And you're right, Spencer. It, it's one of those deals where we wouldn't have thought of it for mountain bike and still don't really talk about it much for mountain bike, but you're starting to see it on mountain biker saddles because it's a great solution. Yeah, I definitely have noticed a few uh, top professional mountain bikers uh, for, you know, a lot of them are, are specialized athletes, and I have noticed some of them on the power saddle, which is a uh, specialized short-nose saddle. So uh, another question for you about the, the basic shape of these, these short-nose saddles. I, it's not just a matter of cutting off the nose, is it? Are there other features about the saddles that have changed from more traditional-style saddles? So I would say that we've really got two primary factors that cross over a lot of these short-nose saddles. Uh, one is obviously the, the cutoff nose, but the other one is they tend to have a much wider open section to them. So you don't really see saddles that you wouldn't take a traditional, I don't know, any, just a traditional, let's say a Celitalia Turbo will go back into the, uh, the into the, the vault. Archives, yeah. Right. <laughs> and grab one of those and cut it three centimeters shorter. Uh, that's not going to solve any problems because now we're going to have an amazing amount of pressure in a very small area. So instead of that, what uh, manufacturers have figured out is if you try to follow the lines of the pelvis a little more effectively and utilize the pubic rami, so that basically those are the two hoops that come off the bottom of the pelvis. Mm -hmm. If you do that, then you've got an opportunity to, again, clear pressure out of the perineum. Mm -hmm. You get better blood flow, and it allows for again, a deeper position by having the combination of the short nose saddle and a lot of clearance through the midline. So it sounds like the, the real advantages here are, are sort of twofold. It's, it's comfort, of course, and, you know, easing that pressure, but also there's a performance advantage because you're, you're getting deeper into your position and which, you know, could be more dynamic. It could, uh, you know, help with your power. So there's, there's really a performance side to it and a comfort side to it. Is that right? Yes. And specifically when we're talking about pros saddle development, it came from a place of performance. So the ideas for the short nose saddle were developed in uh, 2015, early on. And they, uh, Pro really works on co-creation with some elite level road athletes. And they came up with this concept and then introduced it and worked and massaged it with the athletes to see what effect they could get. And the idea was, how do we find our next unfair advantage? Uh, something that often gets missed with cycling is, Pain does not equal speed. Often it's the absence of pain. Comfort can get you speed because you've got to have something that's sustainable. And if your body is firing off, telling, giving all kinds of signals, stop, 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 which is sort of the thing that, that drives a lot of cycling culture, sometimes that's going to inhibit. Often it's going to inhibit performance. Right. So we were seeking performance in the development of the saddle. 
And some of that came from the ability to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that uh, I heard from several pro athletes at the Colorado Classic, uh, I talked to Travis McCabe, and he, he mentioned that one of the things about the shortened saddles that he liked was that uh, not only did it allow him to get into that more aggressive position, it also helped him maintain that position. He felt more planted. He wasn't scooting around on the saddle as much, uh, and it felt like his body was was in the position it was supposed to be in. Is that a function of the shape of the saddle, or is that just a function of the fact that he was probably more comfortable because he didn't have that pressure? Yes. 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 Yeah. Both <laughs> of those all. things, yeah. Dan, you've got it. Yeah. You've got it. So the idea is if we've got a saddle that really matches up, mates up to the rider's anatomy, and there's variability, and that's one of our issues here. Not, We don't have everybody built exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And so finding an appropriate saddle is the challenge. And a short-nosed, a stub-nosed saddle is not necessarily a solution for all riders. Mm-hmm. But it is a solution that is new into the market. And so a lot of riders that weren't served by longer saddles, narrowed saddles before, are finding a, a great solution. They're very excited about it. And we've had really, really good uptake on the Pro Stealth saddle. That's our version of a stub nose saddle, in part because some of our product line prior is more traditional in its shape. And so if it works, if a traditional nose uh, uh, or saddle shape works for you, you've been happy for years and years and years. But if that didn't work, then it's, okay, next saddle, what do we do? Next Mm -hmm. saddle, do I need something softer, taller? Am I changing my saddle position, my handlebar position? What's going to drive a solution? Mm -hmm. So now we've just got another thing in the arsenal. Sure. Yeah, to Dan's point, is it sort of, is it a natural thing for some riders to simply have a riding style that means they move onto the nose of the saddle from time to time or farther back on the saddle? Is that a natural riding style to just simply have if you're a particular kind of rider, or is that a symptom of maybe not having the right bike fit or the saddle being incorrect? It can be a number of factors. Certainly some riders, and a lot of them are based on at least anecdotally body types. So if you have the really uh, slim, lithe, lightweight kinds of riders, they often don't benefit from the snub nose saddle as much as somebody who's a little chunkier, a little thicker riders. Hmm. And those thicker riders, they're often seeking a little more stability on the saddle. And something like a snub nose saddle, especially with maybe um, an upturned tail section, allows you to sit and power and really drive the bike as compared with a lighter weight rider who favors, and their version of stability comes from the ability to move around on the bike more. I, I think I'm going to change my Twitter handle to the thicker cyclist, by the With way. With two Cs. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I've already got the other, oh, the, the CK. Good, good. Yeah. Um, so we, let's go back a step. Uh, you know, you, you do a lot of bike fitting. Obviously, you've, you've done a bike fit for me, uh, which was exceptionally helpful. Um, when, when we talk about terms like perineal pressure, sensitive tissues, what are we actually talking about? What's going on down there that causes the numb- numbness, the tingling, the pain that you see in your bike fits when people come to you and say, I got to, I got to solve this. What is actually, what are we solving when we, when we have that tingling and, and pain? To keep it very simple, we're allowing for blood flow or preventing occlusion of the vessels and uh, preventing any nerve issues. So you've got the pedendal nerve that has several branches often in that section, uh, again, in the a- aforementioned parts that we're talking about. So the, basically... The landscape. Right. Which I like uh, Refer to it. <laughs> I, I think that the, the taint, I yes, think, the is the is universally uh, layperson's yes. universally accepted terms. Yes. <laughs> so we're talking about taint. We're also talking about genitalia. So if somebody comes in saying things go numb, everything goes dark down there, 
that's the time to make a change. Mm -hmm. And it could be saddle. It can also be position. It can be uh, short choice. There's a lot of it. Uh, so what we want to do is find solutions that prevent the occlusion so that you don't have the nerves saying, hey, folks, we've got a problem over here. Mm -hmm. and, and just in terms of anatomy, is there a significant difference between uh, a woman's position and a man's position. I mean, I, I know that area is different for between male and female. So that is true. Yes, I've I've heard rumors anyway. I don't. I wouldn't know well, myself. Well, well, Dan, when you grow up someday, <laughs> if you, uh, there are birds uh, and bees everywhere in this room. Right. All of a sudden, <laughs> yes, absolutely, there sure are. Yeah. So uh, there are differences, and one thing that I like to try to break bike fit down too is it's about the individual as compared to all the other assumptions we make about them, like age and gender and riding style. We're looking for solutions for people, right? And we all have our own glorious, abundant lives, right? And part of that hopefully is cycling. So when it comes to making a choice, um, again, the stealth as a saddle, it's a universal platform. Uh, if we're talking in generalities, as women ride deeper into a position, a more aerodynamic position down on the drops or on a TT bike, they experience more pressure around the labia and the, the vulva, the, all, the, all the special stuff. And uh, generally speaking, the men uh, of the... Uh, of the population, is that yeah. right? I mean, males, Male right? Population. Yeah, getting hung up, yeah. right? Not so good with words. Uh, Just got hot in here. Yeah. Oh boy. Yes, exactly. Let's take a break and come yeah. back. No, uh, men, they certainly experience pressure in the drops, but not in the same way. Not as much pressure forward. Mm -hmm. So, uh, having said that, short nose saddles can be universally beneficial if it works for you. Right, and that and that goes back to basically every other touch point is is a really a matter of personal preference and, and addressing specific needs. So this is not a panacea by any stretch. You know? Is there a typical starting point when you do a fit for someone like that, if they've expressed a specific discomfort or, or an issue they're trying to resolve? Do you start with putting them on a different saddle and then go from there? Or do you start with saddle height? Or I, 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 there's so many variables. My question, I guess, is just where do you begin? And that's a really great question. Where do you begin with somebody like this? And I would like to begin with somebody on the trainer on their current bike and have an opportunity to watch them pedal initially. Uh, first mistake that a lot of people make uh, is to feel like they're going to get more power by running a really tall saddle height. And so, as Dan Emfield has put it, your seat is too high, <laughs> just generally. Right. So the the idea is people feel power. They feel that resistance. They feel the effort and they say, oh, this must be an appropriate solution because I can really feel it. The problem with that is we tend to unweight at the pedals and we put more weight into the saddle, into the perineum, and we get problems quickly. So if you're sitting at home looking for a saddle solution, drop your saddle one inch today and go on a ride and see what the results are like. If your saddle's too low, your knees will tell you rather quickly, just in, in general terms, right? And I'm sure we can field an email from somebody who's gonna say, oh, it's totally different for me, right? Mm -hmm. But for the majority of the population, drop your seat a little bit. The other thing is you don't have your seat. There's a saddle that you're using right now, but they are a consumable. They're a disposable product, effectively. You'll get many thousands of miles. Some people are more sensitive, others are less. But the idea is that saddles do wear out over time. And so that saddle that you loved for five or six years and suddenly you have an onset of problems, you might look at the saddle 
Is it bent? Is it worn out? Has the foam collapsed? Has the shell collapsed? All those things can happen. So the uh, just as a practical uh, matter, when you go, say you're switching from a, a you know your typical length saddle to a, a snub nose saddle, and I'm going with snub nose saddle by the way because you said it like four times while you were talking. So okay, we're we're <laughs> we're setting it right now. Snub nose saddle. No turning back. Yeah. So so it be written. So it be spoken. That's right. We're so it be done. <laughs> we're too deep into this now. Um, as a practical matter, when you switch from uh, a long, longer saddle to a shorter one, uh, what other considerations are you going to have to take into effect? You know, you just said saddle height, of course, uh, for really for anyone uh, in terms of any of that discomfort. But what about like layback uh, of your seat post and your stem length? Will that stuff change? Uh, will you need to consider that stuff if you switch saddles to a shorter one? It depends on how sound your bike position is and the difference from the, the snub-nose saddle you're installing compared to what you were just riding. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to a completely different setup, a saddle that has a much different profile and might have more curvature, more contour, front to back or side to side, uh, and you find something that ends up being a different platform, there, everything can be thrown out, right? So if you've got a, a bike position that has worked really well for you, you're curious about trying a new saddle, one strategy is to measure your current saddle from the back to the stem center, let's say, and then replicate that position. Now, it's much more common for people to measure from the nose of the saddle to the bar center, right? I'm getting uh, two nods here, so yep, we've been there. <laughs> but when we cut off the nose of the saddle, the rear end of the saddle doesn't change very much. So it's a safer bet, and you'll get within a range at least, versus being off by what could be 30 millimeters very, very quickly. So a strategy I use if I've got a tape measure, I'm sitting in a garage and I don't have any fancy tools, is to measure from the center of the crank up to the, basically the middle of the saddle, right? And, then I'll, and that'll get me my height. And then for my fore-aft position, I'll measure from the rear of the saddle to the stem center, and I'll duplicate those two, and then take it for a pedal. And if it feels really wrong, it's really wrong. That's okay, <laughs> right? Uh, there, there are bike fitters that are out there uh, standing by waiting to help you. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, getting back to the, and we touched on this a little bit already, the, the construction of these saddles. Uh, one of the things that we said just now is the front tends to be a little bit wider, but there's other features that I've kind of noticed across brands that are, that are doing this snub nose uh, construction is that they tend to be wider in the back as well, but also flatter. Um, is that true or am I just seeing things and, and what would be the function of that? Well, fashion is a funny thing and uh, product development design often follows fashion. So I would say, Dan, that you might be seeing things a little bit uh, with regards to the flatness of the saddle uh, and, and maybe also the width in the back. It depends on what our point of comparison is. So if we're looking at something like a Physique Arione, Right. Yeah. The, the, the flat saddles or, or excuse me, it's the snub nose saddles, snub nose saddles. Snub yes. nose saddles. <laughs> uh, they're going to measure wider, uh, at the back. Mm -hmm. But if we look at standard saddle widths, we've sort of settled into a place where the majority of the population, and when I say majority, I mean over 50%, not 90%, mm -hmm. but the majority of the population does pretty well with a saddle whose width in the back is somewhere in the range of 138 to 145 millimeters. So, Again, if you're at home, don't know what to do, find a fitter. But if you can't find a fitter, probably start with a saddle 
there. Mm -hmm. And what that helps you do is get support from your sit bones. Mm -hmm. And when you get support from your sit bones, it tends to resolve a lot of the perineal pressure. So we're already on the right track, Mm -hmm. right? So even if you're going to this the snub nose saddle, you can still get a general sense of the size of saddle you need by by measuring your sit bones, and uh, that's something that good bike shops with a good fit uh, professional will have the tools to do that. Right, and and they don't even need to have a fitter necessarily. Necessarily, there are several products out there from different manufacturers to assess your sit bone width, and if you take that and add maybe 25 millimeters to get the widest part of the saddle, that's a great start mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about other pieces of the, of the saddle, you'll see some flatness maybe on the snub nose saddle. Um, one thing that we did with the Stealth is we kicked the tail up so slight, ever so slightly. So when it comes to setting the saddle up, you want to make sure that the middle of the saddle is the part where it's flat, flat to the ground, mm-hmm. parallel to the ground. And that way you will have a little bit of a, a kick tail. And that helps when you're not riding in your super aero position to still have stability on the saddle. Mm-hmm. just makes it more versatile. Sure. Is, is there a, a difference in uh, the rails or anything like that? Do they get shortened as well? Do you lose any fore and aft adjustability? Typically, you don't lose much in terms of fore aft. Uh, every manufacturer is going to have their own trick, but they've maintained a nice long rail length mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. And don't be tricked by the visuals. Again, it, what we do in a bike fitting setting is measure the width of the saddle, uh, find the 80 millimeter width of the saddle, and that becomes our reference point. So when we do that, all saddles, uh, with the exception of something that's truly lacking in those, are, it's going to have an 80 millimeter width to it somewhere along the saddle. So if you use that as your reference, and then go to the top of the saddle at that 80 millimeter width, that's a really nice way to get a very exacting starting point and a wow. reference. That's pretty interesting. I never considered that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, what about, uh, you know, basically one of the, the problems that we, I've always had with, with any saddle really is, you know, you tip it up too much, you get pressure. You tip sad. It, yeah, sad pressure. Yeah, you get sad. You get sad. <laughs> <laughs> and if you tip it too far down, you kind of get shoved forward and you don't have the stability. Um, I, it doesn't seem like switching to a snubzo saddle would really solve that problem. You still need to make sure it's level, correct? And you still need to take those other fit considerations into fit, uh, positioning into consideration. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's the rub, Dan, is we don't have one solution for all people. Mm. Saddle angle is important, but saddle angle varies with saddle style mm-hmm. and then the anatomy of the rider. Your landscape. Your yes. landscape. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So uh, you are wearing pants today, so we're not yes. checking out the landscape. It's like the first time so in a week. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> it's a breakthrough. Um, I'm growing up. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that can impact the need for stability at the saddle is what's going on in that rider it all comes back to the rider ultimately and sometimes we do see people that are coming in for a bike fit and again we had this situation you and i when we did a fit we could make lots of adjustments but it didn't change fundamentally you at that moment in time so when we're talking about setting up a saddle we want to address what's going on for our rider and understand that that rider might need to make some adjustments to their own body so uh, referring to a medical professional is not uncommon in these cases mm-hmm. and we can work in concert with those folks to find an appropriate solution because it could be okay you need strengthening stability you've got a prescription for squats and core work and in six weeks let's come back and readdress this right 
Yeah, and I believe your exact words were, you all messed up. You need to go to the doctor. Yes, yes. Uh, I got super technical yeah, at that yeah. moment. You need to talk in simple terms when you're talking to me. Yeah, it's, uh, But w- I think we should probably talk a little bit about that. Uh, you know, I mentioned that uh, Chris did do a fit for me uh, about a year ago. And at the time, I was dealing with some pretty severe back issues. And uh, that ended up sort of being the, the basis for the fit session, which was, I'm having these lower back issues help me. Uh, and that was also translating into some numbness in my, my legs and feet. And after the fit, uh, Chris did in fact say to me, you probably need to go see a doctor. You know, there's only so many things we can adjust and change before we accept the fact that perhaps there's something structurally wrong, uh, that needs to be addressed in other ways. And that is exactly what happened. Uh, I ended up getting injured shortly after my fit session with you. Not as a result of the fit, I should clarify. <laughs> we need to talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is actually why we're here. This is an intervention. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I did get injured and I ended up going through pretty lengthy physical therapy and uh, so a lot of doctor visits and things like that. But what, the reason I'm bringing this up is because, uh, first of all, the absolute benefit of having a fit session is exactly what happened to me. It was indicating that I had a problem that went beyond just saddle choice or pedal uh, width or things like that. And so, yes, we tried the snub nose saddle and it helped, and we tried uh, wider pedals and that helped, but really at the, the underlying issue was not solved by that. So if you're really in significant pain consistently before or after a fit, then it's probably time to consider further steps into, you know, speaking to your doctor and thing like that. So while a snub nose saddle can solve certain problems, it can't solve everything. And I think that's the big takeaway here is that, as we said, there's no panacea. Every rider is different. Every landscape is different, right? Correct. And so when you, when we're talking about saddles, it's not, uh, it's not just something where we can simply say, yeah, go to a shorter saddle and you won't have numbness or you will have a better power position for, for pedaling. Um, that's not how this works. This is one solution. Uh, that you can try. And one of the other things that I wanted to ask you specifically was, you know, one of the other issues that I had in in conjunction with that back pain and and flexibility issue was the numbness in my legs and feet. Uh, Is that something that can be tied to your saddle? I know there's other considerations, but is it something you've encountered where uh, people are having other symptoms further down their legs that might be solved by this numbness? I've had foot numbness too myself, actually. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so let's talk, right? Yeah. Uh, fundamentally, if you think about the bike, we have three primary contact points, three contact points, and then sometimes we go to two, depending upon what we're doing, and we've got some variability to those during the ride. But if you really examine our riding position, especially on a road bike, it's rather aggressive, right? It's unlike what most people do in their daily lives. And so merely the act of putting yourself in that position where some muscles are very shortened and others are lengthened is already compromising you. Now, it's an appropriate compromise because we have to fight the wind, right? So we're looking at aerodynamics, but you can't look at aerodynamics in isolation. You still need high function from the body. So we end up in this place where where there's a big, there's, there's a struggle. We have to have a rider who can ultimately you work in this position, and if they aren't able to be in that position, uh, the saddle may or may not help because the saddle itself, that's a contact point. It's a biggie, but you can also escape it by standing up on the pedals, and then you return to it again, right? And so if you're doing long, nasty climbs, let's say, very high load, low cadence, it's going to have an impact on the entirety of your body, and a lot of that 
ends up basically roosting in your low back spine and it can radiate because we've got the sciatic nerves too that are running through there. So you can get that pain referring down the leg. So I wouldn't blame the saddle as much as I'd say it's one of the factors that can be involved. So I wouldn't say, okay, you're experiencing sciatic pain and I know the solution, it's going to be a saddle. Unfortunately, that's not how this works, but it could be part of the intervention. Mm-hmm. Here's a question about uh, the actual physical shape. Now, you mentioned earlier the ISM saddle, which is a, it looks like a lot like a, a TT saddle where it's got the two, like you said, the two prongs that come off the nose. Is there huge, a huge channel? It's really dramatic. Looking. Yeah, yeah, it's really it wide, weird really, looking. Yeah, it looks like it looks. It's really Spencer's bizarre. favorite. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, here we go. Uh, everybody's Sty- cring- cringing as I describe style this thing. over comfort, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> You're sitting on it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody will see it. <laughs> um, in terms of structure uh, and and what we're trying to accomplish, you know, relieving that pressure and and uh, ensuring a power pos- powerful position, what's the difference between something like the ISM? saddle that's got those two prongs with no really no nose at all it's like a a prong really two prongs versus a snub nose saddle that has a a more solid uh front that you could put weight on uh, and there's more support there what's the difference there the big difference is going to be stability uh, at that location. So is there so much material there that is soft that it's going to collapse and often move inward toward the midline? So that can present a a danger uh, unto itself. Uh, Again, development-wise, if if we look at the stealth saddle, there are three uh, little components that span across that opening, sort of cover three bridges, and that was done to address stability with a big open nose. So with ISM, they, uh, they may have a response, but basically uh, what it looks like they're trying to do is get more flex out of the nose of the saddle in hopes of adding comfort. Uh, and that may work for some, but in the case of a lot of the other manufacturers, they end up closing the nose, but they maintain the channel. So where that nose closure occurs, you'll see a drop into the base. Mm-hmm. So there's still a channel. So if you're looking front to back, you'll still see the channel all the way through. So the idea is by connecting those nose pieces together, you've got less movement, mm-hmm. more stability. And stability is the key, mm-hmm. right? And that's essentially what you see when you look at the Pro Stealth saddle is that channel goes all the way off the nose, but there is that support up front so that the, the two sides don't collapse inward on themselves. Right. Yeah. And same, same with the Specialized Power, too. Exactly, it's, it's yeah. Same sort of... And mm-hmm. one note between... Yeah you know, different manufacturers of saddles and, and the pro, the stealth specifically, it mm-hmm. is rather unique in that the nose width does increase over uh, a traditional saddle. Uh, there are other products out there, but um, the stealth did that pretty specifically. So a lot of the noses and like the specialized, their nose is going to be a little more tapered, a little narrower, a little more like what you might see on the rest of their lineup. Uh, for the stealth, we actually went to a 42 millimeter nose width again, trying to fall in line with uh, the pubic rami and giving more support because riders, when they're riding aggressively, they do migrate forward onto the nose of the saddle. So the idea is we wanted to create a sustainable position up there that, again, avoids the perineal pressure. Mm-hmm. Are there any potential pitfalls? Uh, you, know, if I, you know, I think one of the reactionary things we do as cyclists is we see new gear and we're like, I need that. And so we go out and we get it and, you know, we slap it on our bike. And, and is there any, is there any danger to that? Is there anything that if I go and get a snub nose saddle, uh, and I slap it on my bike, I mean, is there, is there anything that I should be aware of that it could harm, 
you know, add more pressure? Could it change my pedal stroke? Is there any considerations that somebody should take into account before they go out and buy one of these? Fair question. I, I would say that if you do it under uh, maybe the supervision of a bike fitter or medical professional, your team, as you've assembled them, there's not a lot of risk involved. Now, if you blindly just bolt the saddle on and let's say you, you do mid-rail attachment at the seat post, you don't adjust your saddle height in any way, and you had a saddle that was quite different, then you could introduce a host of problems because you're going to mess with the kinematics, the, your joint angles as you pedal, and that can be a problem. Right. Uh, one other little piece of advice, and this is saddle contact generally, is when we're working with people on bike fit, often people sit a little further forward on the no toward the nose of the saddle as a default, and they get a lot of benefit by sitting rearward and getting more contact at the ischial tuberosities at the sit bones. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, they redistribute pressure, and even a saddle that they didn't love is suddenly more comfortable. So that can be a step. Sometimes it's how do you use this product appropriately, mm -hmm. right? But in terms of putting a saddle on, do you have risk? Uh, if you listen to your body, the risk is likely rather minimal. Mm -hmm. So if your body's saying, uh, we've got problems, folks, everything hurts. I'm, I, I feel like an ice pick is being put into a body part. It's probably time <laughs> to turn around. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, and to your point of earlier of, of suggesting that most people listening to this try lowering their saddle a little bit. That's something I've experienced when I've had a bike fit where they, they have lowered my saddle and it actually led to me sitting farther back on the saddle, like you just said, which in, in turn made for a, a more comfortable position. It's a really interesting point. We've done motion analysis on a lot of riders and really, you know, accurate sub millimeter, sub millimeter measurements for, for distances and angles. And one of the uh, things that really surprised me using those systems is you can make an adjustment to somebody's saddle position. And when you make that adjustment, often their joint angles don't change. Hmm. So they are contacting the saddle differently and they get a smile on their face and this feels good and I feel strong and powerful. And it's not something that we could have measured using uh, traditional techniques. Sounds like a good business model. Let's just go around lowering people's saddles and charge <laughs> money for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah we have to monetize yeah. it. So, yeah. Just walk around with a wrench. Spencer's yeah. the one with the wrench. He, yeah. he knows how to lower saddles professionally. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Professional saddle lowers. <laughs> Association. Yeah. Ooh, good call. Yeah, we gotta, yeah. we're sitting on a gold mine so, here, guys. So uh, let's register that domain real quick, <laughs> yeah. guys. All right. Uh, Chris, what have we forgotten to, to mention about these saddles? What, what have we forgotten to talk about that's a key consideration? Is there anything about these that um, somebody listening should know about them uh, or really about the fit system in general uh, if they're experiencing pain or numbness? Well, uh, to start, let's get to the basics. If you're moving a saddle, if you're uh, changing a saddle out, be sure to torque the bolts of the, the seat post appropriately get a torque wrench and do it right so you don't have a failure of the saddle rails. Uh, one thing that we, we've seen many times too is people going a little too light on those bolts and the saddle migrates rearward over time and that undermines your position entirely. So often when you see somebody and they are slammed all the way back on those saddle rails, it's not because they've got monster femur lengths, it's because things weren't tight to begin with. Right. So that's that's something to watch for. Uh, and the other thing, and we've already touched on it before, is let your intuition guide you on a lot of this stuff. OK, there is not one saddle that's perfect for everybody. If you try it, it doesn't work. 
that's okay. And often uh, shops will have some sort of an exchange or a test ride program. Take advantage of that. Like in the case of Pro, there's just a 30-day return guarantee. The idea is get happy on these things first. Let's make sure it works for you. So pay attention to the setup and that things are snug and uh, let your body tell you uh, about the outcomes. And I guess the last question for you, Chris, is what uh, what do we what should we expect in the future from a saddle design? Are we are we at the peak? Is this the perfect saddle, or is there something else uh, coming down the pipe that we should know about? I think if we were to look out by five, ten years, they're going to continue to massage and use different materials to accommodate. Uh, different people, I would expect that we will become even better at doing assessments to guide people towards saddles. Right now, we've got, as a basic rudimentary system, we can measure the sit bone width for virtually anybody, because that involves some sort of a gel or foam pad, uh, something like that. There are digital measurement systems that do the same thing, but those are all pretty low cost. And then we've got pressure measurement, which is quite expensive. And there's a big gap between those two. And when we talk about saddle recommendations right now we often go off of saddle width and saddle width is just the widest part of the saddle at the rear as i've mentioned before but that doesn't do anything to tell us really about the saddle shape the contour the flatness that you described before and that impacts saddle so i would expect over the long run that we become better at making recommendations doing those assessments on the front side Mm -hmm. to get somebody into a better saddle. Uh, we've certainly not peaked in saddle development any more than we've developed, uh, peaked in anything else bike related. Right. right. Clip in saddles. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Chamois cleats. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> Spencer, any, any last questions for Chris while we got him held hostage in our creepy little room here? No, he can look at my landscape later, I think. <laughs> and this room, uh, just to be clear is exactly as I expected it to be. Yeah. Just creepy. It's a work in progress. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Shelves everywhere. and oh, I can't wait to come back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really lovely, lovely space. Chris, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. It's been a lot of fun. Thank yeah. you. And uh, Spencer, thank you for, for co-hosting today. My pleasure. It was nice to have other Brilliant. people in the room. Yeah. Uh, and as always, if you have any questions about this or any podcast uh, in the Velo News tech podcast realm, please do tweet at me at Dan. And if you have suggestions for topics you would like me to cover in the future, also please tweet or uh, comment on Facebook. And make sure to leave a comment and a rating on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, And that is it for this week's episode of the Velo News Tech Podcast. We will catch you next time.